0: It's gonna be great though. Clap your hands one more time. I'm, I'm excited about what God's doing. Judges chapter 16, verse number 4. Judges chapter 16, verse number 4 um, says this. Sometime later, he fell in love with a woman in the valley of Sarek whose name was Delilah. All right. Hey, you you see this imagery all over our building. You see something called H7. That's our core values. They aren't random. There are seven character traits that we see embodied in the life of Jesus. We want them embodied in the life of our community. One of those character traits is hunger. That means we want an insatiable appetite for God's presence, so we're enthusiastic in worship, and an insatiable appetite for God's principles. It means we want truth because truth sets us free, and we appreciate, we respond to, we amen truth, even if it's a little ouch on it. It's the truth that sets us free, come on, right? And, we don't, and And the purpose of a spiritual family isn't just to make us feel better. See, just because that's what people use church for doesn't mean that's what church is for. It, it, it is God's intention that church be more than just a place that makes us feel better about a life we hate. It's a place where we get the guidance that we need to actually create the life he intended for us to have. And so sometimes that requires us being a little open. So I want you to be open. I want you to be patient. And I and I want us to appreciate <laughs> and stand on the truth <laughs> of God's word today. All right, so I'm going to read this scripture one more time. I don't know. If it, Judges 16:4. Sometime later he fell in love with a woman in the valley of Sorek whose name was Delilah. I wanna talk from this subject in our time together today, why he wants Delilah. (laughs) Yeah, it's 12 o'clock, so I'm, see, I know I can, I can press it a little bit here. Sisters, if you... Let me see how politically correct I... If you've ever wondered, what in the world was he thinking when he was with her? Uh, (laughs) Oh, gosh. (laughs) Y'all give me about another year. We're going to be all right. It's going to be a whole... Y'all get free in here. Why he wants Delilah. Family, I recently came across a quote that I like to lift up as we leap into this lesson today. And the quote is as follows it's simply this The devil is not only in the details, the devil is in denial. In other words, the enemy uses the instrument of denial as a weapon of mass destruction to keep us stuck in a place called settling, imprisoned in priv- in to average, and to influence us to turn what should be a season into a cycle. Seasons are not necessarily cycles because seasons change with time. Cycles change with us. And the enemy knows that a, se- that a season can become a cycle and we can stay in a cycle as long as we are operating with denial because denial makes it impossible to change. Denial is dangerous, it is sight suppression. It is when a person chooses to live like they're blind when they have the ability to see. It is the deliberate act of closing our eyes to glaring truths that may hurt our feelings now but will actually save our future later. It is an unwillingness to deal with something now that will deal with us later. It is a commitment to feeling good by doing nothing instead of becoming better by doing something. It is an act intended to foster protection, but ultimately becomes a self-imposed prison. And many people are serving a life sentence of pain, problems, and plateauing because they are in an invisible prison called denial. And if we ever needed deliverance from anything, we need deliverance from denial. The enemy knows you cannot improve what you do not acknowledge. He knows you cannot improve what you do not admit. He knows you cannot fix what you're unable to face. So the prince of darkness wants to keep us in darkness regarding areas of our life that require some attention and we need to get a revelation that God wants to give us a revolution Not in our ability to see what's going on with everybody else, but he wants to give us the ability to see what's going on with me. Do you have insight? Insight. Do you have the ability to see in self correction? Limits God correction Paul says if we would judge ourselves there would be no need to be judged so in other words God's like there are some things I wouldn't have to correct if you did but it's better for you to fix it than for me to fix it because when I fix it I send a whale and the whale has to swallow you up and you have to stay in the belly of the whale three days I I need you to fix it And am I, am I talking to anybody that's in a season in your life where you're honest enough to admit I'm tired of it requiring crisis for me to change? I'm tired of the bottom having to fall out in some area of my life in order for me to make an adjustment. God, if there are some things about me that I can't see that are hurting me, show me. Show me before I blow it. Show me before I lose it. Show me before I sabotage my future. It might hurt my feelings, but I need you to save my future. Show me, me. Denial is dangerous. It spares your feelings, but it sabotages your future. Denial is an expression that somebody is worshiping at the altar of fragile self-esteem. They are worshiping comfort. And it is dangerous. It is dangerous in any area of our life. It's dangerous financially. It's dangerous professionally. It's dangerous relationally. But when I was reading this text in Judges, I saw a specific area that denial is dangerous in that I want to spend our time exploring on today. And that is this. It's dangerous when we're in denial about our duality. This is the way I shared it at 10 o'clock. All of us have a twin. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not talking about a biological twin outside you. I'm talking about another version of you on the inside of you come on talk back to me because duality is the state of having two different and opposite parts and whether we know it or not all of us deal with some reality of duality we can be nice and mean we can be smart and silly we can be humble and arrogant we can want to be around people and we can want people to leave us alone we can be an introvert today an extrovert tomorrow we can be hood and holy or both we all have some duality on the inside of us And I know some of us assume that your spiritual maturation it causes the elimination of your duality. I know you think the more spiritual you become the less susceptible you become to that other version of you but your spirituality does not eliminate your duality. I can say this with confidence because I read something that was written by a tent maker from Tarsus. He was trained under the rabbinical tutelage of Gamaliel. He was educated at the University of Tarsus he was a hebrew of hebrews a pharisee circumcised on the eighth day he was a roman citizen he is responsible for two-thirds of the new testament most of what you read in the new testament he wrote it he was so anointed that when he would walk past people people would get healed in his shadow he was such a praiser that when they put him in a philippian prison at midnight when everybody else was panicking Paul and Silas got to praise Him. This man said this, I find this law at work. Come on, don't, don't get quiet on me now. This same man who did all this stuff said, I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, he said, I'll be trying. Lord knows I'll be trying. I want to do good. Evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, the spiritual part of me, I delight in God's law. Oh, I love his word. God, I love your word. God, I love your presence. God, I love your spirit. God, if you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. I delight in God from my inner being, but (laughs) I see another law at work waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner. He says sometimes I feel like I'm a prisoner to my twin. I'm looking for the honest people that will admit sometimes my twin win let me go to this side sometimes that twin win sometimes I say twin you shouldn't say that and they say well I'm gonna say it today twin you shouldn't do that well I'm gonna do it today twin let God handle it God taking too long I'm gonna handle it today I'm gonna give it to Jesus tomorrow He says, what a wretched man that I am. He says, as anointed as I am, I'm confused about me. How all of this can be in the same person. (laughs) He like, y'all think y'all confused about me. Nobody's more confused about me that I am about me. You asking me what were you thinking? I look in the mirror sometimes and say, "What were you thinking?" Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? But even though he deals with the reality of duality, he's a he's a man that still reaches his destiny. He's a man that did not sabotage his spiritual success. He's a man that finished well. He's a man who ends his journey with integrity associated to his name. Because if you are aware of your duality, it properly positions you to manage your duality so that your duality does not destroy your destiny. But if you are in denial, if you think you forgot, how to do, what you used to do, it's just like riding a bike, y'all aren't talking to me on this side over here, I said it's just you hadn't forgot how to say anything you used to say, how to do anything you used to do, your awareness is what allows you to make the adjustments so that you can make decisions in your time of strength that protect you from you in your time of weakness. The apostle Paul writes what I just read to believers in Rome. These are people he's spiritually leading. He's not even talking to peers. He's talking to people that he's leading. He's trying to normalize duality for them. He's trying to help them see that the wrestling match you're having doesn't mean you're weak. It means you're human. Am I making sense? He says, you need to be aware of this so you can properly manage this. And many people sabotage their future because they underestimate their twin. Because you think because their twin been locked up for a season. That twin's gonna stay locked up for a lifetime. That twin will pop back up on you, I'm back. You're like, I thought I was delivered. I'm delivered. No, that's dormant. you can get delivered from behavior you can get delivered from habits but you cannot get delivered from the flesh the apostle Paul says you have to put that to death daily he said I die daily I'm sorry y'all know I grew up in a little old school church one day at a time sweet Jesus that's all I'm asking of you y'all don't know it You you have to be aware so you can manage the reality of your duality. I'm not talking about obsession. I'm not talking about being obsessed. I'm simply saying being aware. Just still in me. Now this is important because duality, everybody Breathe. We about to need it. <laughs> this is important because duality not only impacts who we are; our duality also affects what we want. Hi, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna say it again. Duality not only affects who we are. Duality also affects what we want. Cause sometimes we be wanting, Lord have mercy. And sometimes with men, the duality makes them want Delilah. And I see an example of this in this text. This text exposes us to the life of an individual named Samson. And Samson was a powerful picture of the reality of duality. Because we read or we pick up on this story in Judges chapter 13, but his story actually doesn't begin with Samson. It actually begins with Israel. The Bible says that Israel is going, undergoing a season of correction that they think is circumstantial. Now I don't have time to dig deep into this theologically, but there's something that you need to understand, and that is the wrath of God was actually poured out in full on Calvary Jesus absorbed the wrath of God so what you deal with now post Jesus is not wrath it's love that comes in the form of chastisement the writer of Hebrews says whom the Lord loves he chastens so he's he's not behaving punitively He's not saying I'm punishing you because the wrath of God was poured out on Calvary. The price has been paid. So now what you receive in the New Testament is chastisement. It is God loving you enough to correct you because his correction is less consequential. then the price you will pay disobeying. See, see, in the book of Judges, it's called Judges because this was an age and era where Israel had no king. And it says that there was no king in Israel and everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Got me? And so what began to happen is there are certain commandments that God had gave that they would not take seriously, that they would disobey. Now here's the issue with divine instruction. God's divine instrument. How many of you? Wait a minute. If, you, if you've ever heard uh, the Bible say, if you ever heard somebody say or read in the Bible, God's a jealous God. Wait a minute. If you've heard that, okay? So there are different types of jealousy. There is a jealousy that is possessive, and then there's a jealousy that is protective. <clears throat> and God's like, I'm not jealous because I'm possessive. I'm God, whether you know it or not. He. I'm God, whether you treat me like I'm God or not. He says, so my jealousy regarding you is not possessive. It's not that I feel less about me. It is protective. It's because because I know that the instruction that I'm giving you regarding what you need to have allegiance to is what's best for you. My instruction is for your protection and when you don't obey me you make it harder for me to protect you every parent should be saying amen right now because sometimes your children think you have nothing else to do but control their life like you don't have bills and a job and so much else going on in your life that you just want to find out who they texting and what they doing you're like i am not in your business just to be in your business. I'm in your business because you have blind spots. And the instruction that I'm giving you is not me being possessive, it's me being protective because it's hard for me to protect you if you don't obey me. If I say don't just drink something that's in somebody's cup, I'm not trying to be in control, this is protective custody. If I tell you don't dance on a glass coffee table, this is not control. It's protective custody. But you can't keep dancing on a glass coffee table and get cut and then blame the devil. He's saying that's not the enemy. That's the enemy. So God's like, I'm telling you, forgive people I ain't gonna forgive he's like you dancing on a glass table (laughs) love your enemies I'm not loving okay you dancing on a glass table don't be unequally yoked I like who I like okay you dancing on a glass table and the problem is some of you have been dancing so long you hadn't failed And we don't think falling is possible. But grace is not permission to continue. Grace is an opportunity to get it right without consequence. So Israel's in a season of judgment and they don't know it. They're being oppressed by this group called the Philistines. They're oppressed 40 years. 40 years. Now, I'm not, um, I'm not trying to tie these two things together, but there's a pattern I want you to see. Because there's a, there's a judge named Gideon in the book of Judges who led Israel out of Midianite oppression, and that was seven years. That's in like Judges 6, Right now we're in Judges 13 and they've been dealing with the Philistines 40 years. Because God's like, so seven wasn't long enough for you. (laughs) Did you hear what I just said? So So seven didn't get the message across. So 40 years they're dealing with Philistine oppression and the bible says they start crying out to god in their pain they need deliverance they cry out to god for deliverance they need deliverance so they cry out to god for deliverance they need deliverance so they cry out to god for deliverance they have a problem so they talk to god marlin about the problem they have a problem so they talk to god about the problem god answers their prayer not by answering them God answers their prayer by orchestrating a pregnancy so they asking for deliverance God impregnates a woman with a deliverer watch this but doesn't announce to Israel that your answer is in the womb of a woman so for nine months they suffering not knowing deliverance is on the way did you hear what I just said I say they have no idea watch this because just because you talk to God about the problem doesn't mean God talks to you about the answer sometimes God's not talking to you about the problem because he's impregnating somebody with the answer are you hearing what I'm saying and you just gotta be willing to wait the nine months and all of a sudden without notice, your answer just shows up. I don't know who this is for, but this next thing that's about to hit your life, is gonna come without warning. I need somebody to receive this. This next text, this next email, this next phone call is about to blow your mind without warning. All right. Hey. This is interesting. So this, this man named Manoah has a wife who was barren, and the Lord says she's going to have a child. His name's going to be Samson, and he's going to have supernatural strength. But remember, his birth is an answer to the problem of the Philistines. So the strength that he has is based on the enemy he's assigned to. That's a problem because there's people in your life who want your strength. But they can't handle your enemies. Did you hear what I just said? Oh, you don't get this kind of strength without having to have fought some enemies in your past. isn't it amazing how people will admire your strengths but want no parts of your story they like oh my god you're so strong and you're like i wish i didn't have to be this strong there's a reason i'm this strong i've been through something where i had to grow or die and i choose to live I could have died, I could have gave up, I could have threw in the towel, but I made a decision. I will live and not die. So don't miss this. So, Samson's strength was to pre- protect Israel from the Philistines. He's born to protect Israel from the Philistines. Here's the problem. Let me read this Judges 16, verse number 4. Sometime later, he fell in love with a woman in the valley of Sorek whose name was Delilah. So he born to protect Israel from the Philistines, but he keep falling in love with Philistine women. Y'all aren't talking to me. He like what's killing him. This is killing me, but I like it. Y'all aren't talking to me. I want you to see the reality of this duality. You're born to protect Israel from the Philistines, yet you got affection for the very enemies you're supposed to protect Israel from. It's like Samson looked over there at the Philistines and said, they do a little different over there. Wait a minute, I feel like there's a little judgment going on. Sisters, don't y'all judge Samson now, because these conflicting affections are not just limited to one gender. Sisters, I'm gonna a, find wherever honest section. That's what I'm gonna preach to. You have duality too. You want him street, but not in the streets. I want him nice, but not weak you want him a thug but not a criminal you want him saved but not too spiritual wait a minute need to be able to take him to the club and to church <laughs> yeah don't don't judge Samson So he's got this this affection for Philistine women. It's interesting, y'all. Because he, it's interesting. He, He develops a particular liking to a woman named Delilah who ended up being his demise. The Bible says he fell in love with her. This wasn't lust, it was love. Just because the love is real doesn't mean the love is right. But PD is so real, but is it right? PD, I never felt like this before, but is it right? Nobody's affected me like this, but is it right? I feel like I've known in my whole life, but is it right? There is a way that seems right unto man, but in the end, keep keep dancing on the glass table in the end he loved her I don't even have time but nothing in the text says nothing in the text says she loved him There is emotional inequity. (laughs) It's interesting. Cause for me, I'm wondering, Samson, you telling riddles, like you're, you're not just strong, you're wise. I don't understand. Why would Samson be interested in someone like that? To take it further when you consider all that he went through before her. Cause she wasn't the first Philistine woman he had a relationship with. She the third, he was married to one. So I don't have time But you keep choosing a different person, but the same type. (laughs) They taller, but they still a Philistine. They younger, but they still a Philistine. They make more money, but they're still a Philistine. Same type. What happened? Because it's not a dumb man. He did a dumb thing, but he's not a dumb man. And if you dismiss this as dumbness, you rob yourself of the richness of this lesson. If you make some broad generalizations that culture may agree with and affirm, but that scripture will contradict, it's easy, it's easy to be intellectually lazy and say stuff like men are dumb. It, t- but it, t- it takes more work to lean in and to say I'm not excusing what happened it was wrong but let me dig deeper and find the why cause if I don't find the why all we dealing with is the symptom of the sickness so we diagnose symptoms but not the sickness we need to know why Maybe, maybe family, maybe there was some qualities in Delilah that although the relationship was wrong, maybe the qualities made it feel right. right. See, you got to catch this because Delilah does not represent the other woman because Samson wasn't married neither was Delilah. Delilah represents a type of woman (sighs) who has some qualities that meet needs that causes men to ignore the toxic traits that are going to sabotage destiny. This is why I'm glad I did hungry man first because when you're hungry Your discernment is impaired and you will explain away toxicity. You will ignore the 80% of toxicity because you're hungry for the 20%. Maybe Delilah represents Samson getting the right need met in the wrong place. Maybe, 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 just maybe, maybe, maybe he kept going to Philistines because maybe, I don't know, he didn't tell me. Maybe the Proverbs 31 woman was hard to find. Cause I know we just be, we, we just throw that around. But when you read Proverbs 31, you have a man who's operating under the pseudonym Lemuel who's saying these are words that were given to me by my mother. Lemuel is a pseudonym for Solomon. This is Solomon's mom giving him game on how to choose a woman. I ain't gonna bother that. He should have listened to his mama. And I know there's conversation about fathers having conversations with daughters, about men. I love, love this. I love Proverbs 31, because it's a woman having a conversation, an honest conversation, an honest conversation, a honest conversation, a honest conversation with her son about women. Just like a father knows men, a mother knows women. She said, sit down, son. And she said, who can find? Say, this is hard to find. Gosh, maybe he kept going to the Philistines because he didn't see a lot of difference. Maybe he was dealing with the same kind of condescension and combativeness. (laughs) All right, Uh, let me wrap up. Men do not say amen anymore. Well, I'm getting ready to go. Any amens from this point on may get you in trouble. I got you. All I know is that for the purpose of this presentation, Delilah can represent an unwise attempt to meet a real need. She was a satanic plant. She was on the payroll of the Philistines. She was the kryptonite to Samson's Superman. Oh, that's good, that's good. Wow. But this man blew it all. For the why? I don't know, but maybe, maybe there were some real needs that were being met. Um, I don't know, but I just kind of looked at the passage and draw some conclu- drew some conclusions based off of some things I saw about their interaction. And so here's one thing maybe. Here's maybe one reason Samson wanted Delilah. She wasn't dismissive of his desires. <sighs> oh, well. <laughs> See, dismissiveness doesn't mean necessarily disrespect. I don't have to be disrespectful to be dismissive. Dismissiveness can happen when a person is weighing the weight of what's important to me on the scale of what's important to you. And if what's important to me doesn't weigh the same as what's important to you, then you don't prioritize it the same way. It's it's, If you don't think it's important, then it's not. Even if I've articulated, it's important to me. And watch this, just because I articulate it doesn't mean you have to agree. I just want to know I'm heard. Yeah. Y'all are talking. I just want to know. I just want to know I'm not dismissed. I just want to know that when it comes to what the Bible says, I can only get from you. Because there's some stuff God is not going to do. He gave Adam Eve because he says some of the stuff you need I'm not going to do. So if this is the only place that the Bible says I can get it and I'm articulating to you what I need, are you responding in a way that helps me to see that what I need matters to you? And here's the danger of dismissiveness. Dismissiveness leads to muteness. And only Jesus can heal a mute man. By the time he gets mute, you can't fix it. Because the muteness is a reflection of the accumulation of dismissiveness. Because now his muteness becomes a way to manage his disappointment. Because if I keep talking about something you keep showing me you're going to do nothing about, it increases my frustration. And so because I want to manage my frustration in a healthy way, I'm going to stop talking about this. Because I'd rather just deal with not having it than to continue to have conversations that remind me of how much I want it. Can I just be a pastor? Come on. And here's what's scary. What you want, what we need is men that are not mute. I know we talk a lot about men's presence, but the Bible shows us the importance of men's voices. See, even in the Garden of Eden, the problem wasn't that Adam wasn't present. The Bible says Eve ate the fruit and gave it to her husband that was with her. Like we tell the story like Adam's in one part of the garden, Eve's in another, Adam's right there. He's present, but not vocal. He's not leading. y'all aren't talking to me all he had to do in that situation is lead and we are not in the situation we're in but he went mute all he had to do was lead. he had influence with eve all he had to do was lead so it's not it's not always dangerous when he's asking for it, it gets dangerous when he stopped. Dismissed. Number two, y'all all all right? All right, let me. (laughs) Number two, she didn't demonize his differences. He used to play a lot. He used to do riddles, he played a lot. His family's like, you need to stop all that playing. And he did play too much he did he did play too much right that's an idiosyncrasy that's that's a weakness he played too much yet at the same time just because his area where he needed to grow was different doesn't mean it should be demonized help me Holy Spirit (laughs) to to, to say this. Um, We have different interests, different abilities, different issues. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't grow. I'm not saying that we shouldn't adjust. I am saying those differences shouldn't be demonized. So if somebody kind of like home and you like outside? That's just a difference that shouldn't be demonized. You never want to go. Wait a minute, don't I? Just, am I? Am I making sense? It's like it's like you. You're just so boring. Wait a minute. Sometimes my wife and I are like, let's say we go away or something like that. People ask, what did you do? I was like, nothing. <laughs> you went all the way over there and did nothing. Yes. My life is scheduled enough. So I enjoy nothing. I had a blast doing nothing. I had the time of my life doing nothing. But it will be really hard for me if my spouse demonized that. Because even though she's my spouse, she don't sit in that seat. And until you sit in this seat, you don't know what that pressure like. (laughs) And a person can, the grace of God will make something look easy that's not. Just because it looks easy doesn't mean it doesn't feel hard. But sometimes there are, you know what I mean? There are differences. It could be the other way around. This person likes outside. This person likes inside. It's like, hey, find a happy medium without demonizing it. Does that make sense? My pastor told me one time, he was like, okay, now, Darius, uh, you're going to have to do something sometime. He said, you're going to have to do something sometime. And he said something. It was so strong. I'll never forget. I'm done tired. He said, uh, if you don't, all your wife's recreational memories will be with somebody else and not you. I said, now, well, hold up a minute. Okay, I'm done tired. Number three. <laughs> She didn't have a view of spirituality that diminished her sensuality. (laughs) Play louder. (laughs) Now here's the problem. She's a Philistine, so she engages in idol worship. We got to acknowledge that, right? So we got to acknowledge that. Yet at the same time, I think there is a presentation of Christianity that's been infused with something called Gnosticism, which is really, because you got to remember, Israel... Is under the Roman Empire during the time of Jesus' birth and ministry, right? So a lot of Greek philosophy influenced the theology of some followers of the way. And so this whole idea of Gnosticism led to asceticism and monasticism, this withdrawing from the world because anything that was material and physical. Was evil and inferior to that which was invisible. So it le- it led to a a false view of biblical sensuality. So their shame associated with something that, in the right covenantal context. should be freely given and received without shame. But there is this Gnosticism that's perpetuated itself in Christianity and it's almost like and so what ends up happening is there is not the articulation and there is not the expression to a man, from a woman of her desire for him. Read Song of Solomon. And <laughs> People who try to say that's a metaphorical book, that's some y'all don't want the metaphors. So I'm not. It is not. It's not telling people to be something that you aren't. But it is speaking to the It is speaking to the reality and encouraging you to be free in the covenantal context that God has ordained. Am I making sense? He need that. Yeah. See, he need to know he wanted too. Boy, I can't. <laughs> Y'all understand? <laughs> Do you understand? Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> he needs to know that. And not just, I'm not talking about physically, emotionally. He wants to know I still do something for her that makes her want to pursue me. Gosh. Number four, she communicated with him without emasculating him. What exactly is emasculation? It refers to the act of undermining or diminishing a man's sense of masculinity through words, actions, or behavior that belittles him. Emasculation isn't disagreement. Emasculation doesn't mean you have to dim- a person has to diminish who they are, but there is a way to express a position without belittling the person. And here's the truth, emasculation Doesn't just happen with women and and men. Emasculation can happen like men can be disrespected by men. The difference is when men are disrespected by men, we handle it different. or we handle it immediately. (laughs) Yeah, we're not walking around the house mad. Can't say that we handle it. We handle it right there. But we don't we we can't handle it that way. In other circumstances. And it is not the intention of God that any relationship causes any person, male or female, but we're talking about men this month. Sisters, you next month. Men this month. Where he's not treated as an image bearer of God. When this person became a woman's husband, they didn't stop being God's son. Listen to me. And is your relationship pushing him further into who he is? Like, is it concretizing who he is? Or is it causing him to call that into question? This is serious because we're declaring war on Delilah's. Not on people, but on what it represents. Someone trying to get a real need met in the wrong place. We're saying as a spiritual family, we will not be a place that continues to perpetuate men living lives that are less than God's best for them, they fighting for dignity all day every day, dealing with soul wounds. that they got too much responsibility to acknowledge. Somebody hit me the, not too long ago about playing in this sport over basketball league. I said, I'm too busy to get hurt. Y'all missed it. They missed it. I'm too busy to get hurt. I got too much responsibility that I'm carrying to get hurt. the men in your life have too much responsibility to deal with unnecessary hurt. So today I want to pray for I want to pray for men. Cuz when we're hurt our response is different. We may not cry, but it doesn't mean I'm not hurting. But one of my emotional mentors says to us all the time, feelings buried alive don't die. (laughs) That pain gonna show up in one way or another. We do not want it to show up in dysfunction. We don't want men sabotaging destinies over Delilah. So Father, I pray right now for each and every person in this room under the sound of my voice that needs you. The one who heals the brokenhearted. Father, would you would you tend to the wounds of disappointment, men are carrying. I pray that you would minister to self-esteem that has been shaken. Wondering if they are wanted. I pray for wholeness and wisdom. And may the God who heals the broken and binds up wounds, may you do it for the men in this room I ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Come on, put your hands together, everybody.